My mother believed and my father believed that if I wanted to be president of the United States, I could be, I could be vice president. This is America. Former Vice President Joe Biden has been elected president of the United States. It is my greatest honor and privilege to have been your president. We will be back in some form. We are still deeply divided. Public health experts warned this was coming unless more was done. And here we are now. Are you proud of what happened here today? Absolutely. Never before in American history has there been an uprising like this. Of the 75 million Americans who voted for Donald Trump, I don't know how many today are feeling, dear God, what was I thinking? But I would wager a lot more are thinking, let's carry on this fight. Character matters. It matters. Tell them the truth matters. The 21st century is going to be the American century. Because we lead not only by the example of our power, but by the power of our example. That is the history of the journey of America. Today's episode of An Irishman in America looks at the story of one of the biggest serial murder cases in American history. And sadly, one of the most forgotten. Well, that's all about to change. The setting was Osage Indian Nation in the 1920s, when oil deposits had brought enormous wealth to members of the tribe. Soon to be a major motion picture, the story is mind-blowing. How did the world's richest people per capita become the most murdered? The Osage were being shot and poisoned by the very people who had befriended them in the first place. Also on today's show, the death of Colin Powell. How will history remember the military leader? Joining me as always is Sunday Business Post columnist, BBC and NPR regular Marion McKeown. Marion, you're still in Ireland and I mean, I've never got more confusing messages from home about what is happening with the numbers over there. What's the sense uh, that you get from everything that's happened in the past week in Ireland? Well, you know, the sense that I'm getting is, A, it's always great to be back, whatever the reason, and um, but that there's this thing now about Ireland is reopening and it was like as of the 22nd of October, which is, I think, tomorrow, Friday, today. It, but it seems like nightclubs are opening, but they're not really, from what I can gather, um, certain things are opening, but they're not really. Everybody has to keep wearing their masks, which I think is good. And, you know, it, it like I really think that the Irish government and Michal Martin and everybody, the health services here are doing the best they can. Mm. Now, it's a confusing, it's a bloody confusing pandemic. It has everybody stressed and exhausted and enervated after 18, 20 months. And I really think like the Irish take up of vaccines has been incredible. You know, I think Irish people by and large have really looked out for each other. And, and you know, of course you have the anti-vaxxers, you know, a small minority. But I think Ireland has really stepped up. And, you know, it's kind of like the last mile often really seems the longest and people are just up and they want to go back out again they want to go to nightclubs they want to go to sports games and have a full crowd cheering and you know all those things are coming but it seems not just yet now i'm not quite clear on what is and isn't going to happen but it seems that neither are people in the government because they've said that which made me feel an awful lot better when they said well we don't really know either (laughs) so there is confusion but as i say i think it's 
with goodwill. Thank God, as we've said before on, on this podcast, you haven't got that politicizing of it, that everyone in all sectors of the government, opposition, whatever, are working together to try and keep as many people healthy as possible. And, you know, as I say, and to try and to overcome this pandemic. And, you know, people are still going to be working from home, I think, partly because for various reasons and because it may suit some people. And as I say, the government rules, they've said it's a movable feast. And I think, look, you've got to just be honest with people. And I think that they're doing that. And of course, they're taking flack. But, you know, I mean, there's that's inevitable, too. And as I say, for me, compared to what I've seen in America in the last 18 months, it's night and day. And I think really well done to the Irish government. And I think well done to the Irish people. Well, uh, COVID has really come to my doorstep now. Uh, My son tested positive and we've had to scrap our trip back to Ireland as a result and isolate him here in the house. So big, big apologies straight off the bat to anybody that had planned on coming to the Laughter Lounge shows that were planned for Friday and Saturday. And of course, the Irishman running abroad meetup run in the Phoenix Park that we had planned for Sunday. Obviously unavoidable. But I will say that Sonia and I have been working on a plan for our biggest event yet in April. Uh, more new news on that to follow. Of course, patrons will get to hear everything about that first and will get uh, first access to tickets to what we arrange for April 2022. Uh, come on over to patreon.com forward slash Irishman abroad to get the rest. Well, let's let's talk about Colin Powell. I mean, I don't want to start with Donald Trump, but sometimes when someone is the manner in which he dealt with this and the statement that he made, it was so tone deaf and it spoke volumes as to the depths that he can plumb. But essentially, the uh, the statement ended with he made plenty of mistakes. But anyway, may he rest in peace. He used the death of this man to point out the f- fake news media, of course, and when in held up in contrast with the things that George W. Bush and Barack Obama had to say about this exemplary soldier, exemplary patriot, public servant and his time in Vietnam. I just wanted to ask the question, Marion, how will history remember him? And are statements like that, do they muddy the waters at all on what essentially is one of the highest achieving black Americans of all time? You know, I really two great questions there. Can I very quickly, first of all, say, John, because I all my best to President Mikey and he's such a fantastic kid. And, and I really he's going to trounce this COVID thing, obviously. <laughs> but um, really, we're all we're all rooting for you, Mikey, and get well soon. <laughs> and now we have to talk about a much less deserving president, <laughs> Donald Trump. <laughs> and um you know, I mean, as you say, the statement, you know, and briefly, wonderful to see Colin Powell, who made big mistakes on Iraq and famously so-called weapons of mass destruction to be treated in death so beautifully by the all caps fake news media um, and hope that happens to me someday. He was a classic rhino, if even that, always being first to attack other Republicans. He made plenty of mistakes. But anyway, may he rest in peace. I mean, just the tone for a president of the United States for anyone to write that about somebody who had just died in that 24-hour period. Look, we know the kind of man Donald Trump is and the kind of president he was. There's almost nothing to add to that. It only reflects on him. It's It's so classic Trump. You know, I have 
Colin Powell is to me something of an enigma in some ways because as you say his record I met him several times he's a very elegant human being he was always very gracious he could be very testy and irritable like all of us you know um but like very sensitive to criticism but really I think I think the first thing we should say about Colin Powell is, you know, everybody who really ends up at the operations of the American military, and this is true, they go up through the officer class, they go to West Point, you know, they go, they, they, they you know, the John McCain's, all these, they come from military families, their parents and grandparents, their fathers are four-star generals. Colin Powell did none of that. His family were Jamaican immigrants. His mother was a seamstress who worked in the Manhattan Clothing District. Her, his father was a shipping clerk. They were working class, poor working class people. He grew up in the Bronx, in the South Bronx, which was rough even, you know, back when, when Colin Powell was growing up. It was basically an immigrant ghetto. He didn't excel in school. He was a C student. You know, if that, he went to a very basic college in New York, you know, not, no Ivy Leagues, as I say, no West Points. And he enrolled in, in the army. He went to Vietnam as, as basically as a military grunt. He was wounded twice. He got two uh, Purple Hearts, but he showed himself to be somebody, you know, a young black soldier. I mean, they were back in the 60s. They were cannon fodder. You know, they, they really were like young black men were just seen as cannon fodder. Get them in uh, the grunts, get them Put out them of on Vietnam. The front line. Exactly. And he showed exemplary courage and character, even in those early days. And he did, you know, end up like he had a career in the military that was, what, 37 years, four decades. And he worked his way up through the military by having an impeccable record by showing himself to be a brilliant strategist, he became a national security advisor to Ronald Reagan uh, when he was still very young. When he became George H.W. Bush, appointed him as the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. He was the youngest one ever. And of course, he was the first black soldier to be given this honor. Back in 1988, this was unheard of. As I say, to have a young black soldier, as he still was then, as chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, he was in his early 40s. And uh, and of course, then along came the first Iraqi war. And for Colin Powell, this turned him into something of an American legend, because George W. Bush went in, Saddam Hussein had invaded Kuwait. The uh, war what lasted, the grand battle lasted for all of four days. I believe around, fewer than 150 American casualties were taken and it was an out-and-out out, um, victory. Saddam Hussein folded, the whole thing was over in a couple of weeks. Now, this, it gave sort of rise to the poll, the Colin Powell doctrine, which was that you only go in if you have an absolutely clear mission, an absolutely clear exit, and you use overwhelming force and that was seen as the new way to do battle but this was the way you did it you didn't do a vietnam you had a beginning a middle and an end a clear objective and you didn't go in timidly you went in all guns blazing the, the kind of shock and awe as, as it became known mm. so you know it was for its moment in 1988 before asymmetric warfare became 
you know, what now governs us, like in, in the aftermath of 9-11, it, it, this, this was almost the last traditional war. The first Iraqi war was the last traditional war where you had two countries, two armies, and they basically just duked it out. And of course, the American army could easily crush the Iraqi army. You know, there, there was no contest. Uh, but wars now are fought differently. So that's, and you know, that, that, that what held true for the first Iraq war certainly didn't hold true for the second Iraq war, which of course, as we know, um, started in 2003, you know, what, 20 years later, at that stage, Colin Powell was working for George W. Bush, George H.W. Bush's son, and he was his Secretary of State. Now, I do remember covering the 2000 and 2004 election campaigns, and there was a real thing that people, they didn't love Al Gore, but they knew he was a smart, capable, competent guy, and he'd been Vice President for eight years, and the economy was booming. Whatever about Clinton and Monica Lewinsky, America had never been more peaceful or prosperous. But yet people yeah, didn't love Al Gore and they didn't really want George W. Bush because he was seen as this callow, overprivileged kind of frat boy, which indeed he was. So what happened was they wheeled in and wheeled out all of his father's old stalwarts. And Colin Powell basically was given the job of selling George W. Bush to the American people and saying that he was with him, he supported him, and of course he'd be delighted to be in his cabinet. And there was that kind of thing that, well, look, if, if Colin Powell, who Americans revered as a man of integrity and, you know, as I say, intelligence, and instinct. And they were kind of saying, well, look, if he thinks George W. Bush is is okay, well, maybe we should give him another look. So he basically, George W. Bush's election was in no small part due to Colin Powell's, not just endorsement, but the fact that he really did root for him. And then he became his Secretary of State. And 9-11 happened very quickly after that. And then by, you know, by the winter of uh, 2000 and and like in the months after 9-11, 2001, already Dick Cheney, the vice president, Donald Rumsfeld, the, the secretary for defense, were thinking, OK, this is a piece of cake, as in Afghanistan. Now let's start looking at Iraq. What can we do there? And Colin Powell was aware of that, and he flatly disagreed with it. By the following summer, 2002, Bush, Cheney and Rumsfeld were fixated on going into Iraq. They were fixated on and they were using weapons of mass destruction as the pretext for going in there uh, on very flimsy intelligence. Now, the American people weren't biting. They were really looking at and saying, well, we don't see the connection. We don't see why you're going into Iraq. We got Afghanistan. And once again, Colin Powell was wheeled out to sell the deal to the American people. And this time, the big mistake and the big blot on his legacy, which he conceded, was that he didn't really believe in it. So there you have it. That's your taste of the Irishman in America for this week with Marion McKeown. Come on over and hear the rest of the conversation by becoming a member at patreon.com forward slash Irishman abroad and enjoy all these conversations in full, including our feature interview every Sunday and our back catalogue of nearly eight years of interviews at patreon.com forward slash Irishman abroad. Ready? You have the cameras rolling? This is America. A lot of people who would probably consider themselves liberal have done very well financially under the Donald Trump four years. You encouraged espionage against our people. You condemn any interference by Russia in the American election. By Russia or anybody else. Russia, please, if you can, get us Hillary Clinton's emails. 
Please, Russia, please. To renew America, we must revitalize our democracy.